Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus this podcast contains explicit language bafangu houston flight is go myla let's go from Assignment X, the SoniaShow.com, and Amalgamated Storytelling, this is the Dorking Out Show, the podcast for people who love stories from movies, TV, books, podcasts, and everywhere else. Welcome to episode 116 of Dorking Out. This is the True Crime Movies Edition. My name is Sonia Mansfield. My usual co-host, Christopher Allen Smith, is on sabbatical this summer. Sabbatical is my code word for rehab. So filling in for him this week is one of my favorite people who hosts every podcast, including Book Versus Movie, The Best Neighbors Podcast, Fit Bottom Girls, and Not Fade Away, Margot D. Hi, everyone. Hi. I don't know how you found time to do our podcast, but thank you. Well, you know what? You sent me the topic, and I'm like, I will make time. Two in the morning, I will do it. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Yeah, well, with the uh, the recent arrest of the Golden State Killer and then the new Netflix documentary, Evil Genius, like true crime stories have been kind of on my mind. And when I thought, hey, I really want to talk about true crime, I immediately thought of you, Margot, because I know that you are a true crimer. I am a total true crimer. I was a true crimer before I knew there was a term. You know, before there were murderinos yeah. and all that stuff. I was I was raised on this. My mom is a true crimer. She watched all those movies and she instilled that love into me. And I, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I'm, I had so much fun, but I'll tell you, it was stressful picking my favorite five for yeah. the topics I'm going to cover. I don't know about you. Yeah. Make it, my list was really long, actually, and I was like, okay, what? which ones are really your favorite, though? Think about it. Like, which ones do you really want to talk about? What are your favorites? And then I, I started re-watching a bunch of them, and my husband's actually traveling last week, and so every time I ordered a movie on Amazon, it, like, bills him. You know, he gets the email that's like... <laughs> enjoy you know did you enjoy bonnie and clyde and he's like what are you doing over there and i'm like i'm just watching <laughs> true crime stuff which is what i watch all the time on netflix when he travels anyway like you know he travels and he's like what did you do tonight and i was like i watched a documentary about this guy who murdered someone or or i watch a documentary <laughs> about like aids or something like that and he's like you are so fun <laughs> 
you know, there's a, there's a theory that, because guys don't really do this, and there's a theory that it makes us feel a little bit safer to kind of know how yeah. bad it is. You know what I mean? Like, to, it, can, it can make you feel a little bit more in control because you're like, all right, because the lessons are you fight like crazy, right? Right. If you're, if you're always run away, never, never get in the car, always run away, uh, yell fire, don't yell help. Right. Get more people to show up. I mean, I've got all these things. I got all these I, things in my head. I got this whole thing like I'm gonna act crazy. If I've got nothing else, I'm gonna act batshit crazy. Yeah, a, and maybe that'll be my one weapon. You know, a, a friend of mine told me that when she gets approached by people and she gets scared, she starts barking like a dog. Yes, that's <laughs> what I was taught to do. And it's I'm fun. ready to do it. And and it's so it's so funny you mentioned like the idea of how it makes us feel better and what we learn from it. Cause I was trying to think like, why do I like true crime? And I was like, I think it's because I'm trying to understand something that I'm scared of. And, yes. but my husband just thinks I'm a morbid weirdo, which yeah, might be also true. <laughs> my, my co-host Margot P from book versus movie. She's in San Diego and she knows that there's a lot of true crime in San Diego and she's got some personal connections she hates the topic. So I've never been able to talk about stuff like Scott Peterson or something like that with her because she just won't talk about it. It's, <laughs> it's to her, it's weird. It's, it's yeah. not pleasant. Like she just like, she does not understand, which I respect her boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, she likes ghost stories. She likes that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what, that's what my husband likes too. He's a ghost yeah. story guy. He's not a true crime mm -hmm. guy. No. Nah. So we each made a list of five movies mm -hmm. and then we decided to up our game because that seemed criminally negligent I guess so <laughs> you did a list of five true crime tv movies on top of that mm -hmm. list and then I did a list of five true crime documentaries so sounds I'm so right excited. I'm so excited yep okay well since I'm let's pumped. do let's do <laughs> I'm jazzed <laughs> <laughs> so since you're the guest, I'll let you pick a movie first. So we're, let's do, uh, let's start with the true crime films. Let's yeah. just start there with theatrical. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you want to go my first one? Or you want to go five down to one? Oh, did you put like, yours in a ranking? There's, it's no particular order. I just have them numbered out. Yeah. So you can do me. it any way you want. I, okay. So my number five, um, it's Capote. And oh. it's directed by Bennett Miller, who also directed Foxcatcher, which is another great true crime mm -hmm. movie, but the documentary is much better. It stars Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote. It has uh, Catherine Keener. It has Chris Cooper. Anything with Chris Cooper yes. is amazing. True. I've decided. He he ups the game. Yes. So it's it's. It's, it's Doug Hickok and Perry Smith are the, the two killers. They killed this family. By the way, their story, the Clutter family murder, was a subject of a Sundance documentary that was fascinating. That just came out this past year. I think it was three parts. Oh, and they I'm, actually talked to the Clutter family. I'm putting that on the list. In Cold, oh, Bl in cold it, Blood could have been on my list, like, easily. Easily, but I got to say, I think the, I think the book is phenomenal. Yeah. Truman Capote was an excellent writer, but I think the movie comes up a little flat, mm. it, you know, and it also, I think it glamorizes the killers even more than the book right. does. And, and I have an issue with that. I've got a big, big problem with that. So I like, and there was two Capote movies that came out I at the same that. time. 
Yeah. And the thing is, Toby Jones yes. played him from Mad Men. Um, and then this, and that was with Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And I think Sandra Bullock was nominated for an Oscar uh, for playing a Kill, To Kill a Mockingbird. Harper Lee. The author. Thank you. Yeah. And that's hard. By the way, Harper Lee and, uh, and Teru Capote did grow up. Alabama were best friends when they were kids. And then they, they, she was his research assistant for this book, but she actually, for, for the, the In Cold Blood, but she actually was more of the, the one that would, would get him into the parties and into meeting people. Mm-hmm. She was key to the success of that book. And I feel like this movie, Capote, really gets that across. I think, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP. I know. He, he's a, a big burly guy i've seen him on broadway and he's he's i mean he was only maybe five foot eight but he just had a big presence about him and to play the small man and do it so effectively it's just incredible and it's it's just so that's my number five capote 2005 directed by bennett miller that is an awesome pick uh i'm gonna go with a very obvious choice because i don't know if smith and i are capable of making a list where this movie isn't on it and it's uh, 2007's Zodiac, uh, directed. Okay, that's my number one. Oh no! Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe we should table it then. We'll table. Should I table it? And we'll. Yeah, let's table it. And I will, oh. when I do my number one, we'll both okay. do that. Okay. How about The Untouchables? Is that on your list? It was, but it didn't make it, so you could talk about it. Yay! Okay, so Yay! 1987's The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness as a federal agent who uh, brought down notorious gangster Al Capone, and that's played by Robert De Niro. I super love this movie. I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. and then decided to rewatch it for this podcast, and I was so glad I did. I know that... The movie's kind of corny, but Elliot Ness is corny. Like, he's such a square that I think Mm -hmm. it works. And I know it's weird to describe a true crime movie as fun, but I actually (sighs) had a lot of fun rewatching this movie. Uh, It's also got Andy Garcia, a young Andy Garcia. He's very good looking. Very good looking. Uh, Charles Martin Smith and Sean Connery, who I think he won the Oscar for this, uh, which was really one of those, like, congratulations on your career Oscars. But, I mean, he's good in the movie. It's a Lifetime Achievement Award. For sure. It's just the accents all over the place. Yeah. I just love the, I like true crime movies, but I also like movies that are like, let's assemble our team and do this kind of movies. And The Untouchables is like that. So I found this very entertaining to rewatch. And it's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those ones, every time I see it's on, I was like, oh, The Untouchables is on, and I'll leave it on. But I hadn't sat down and watched it from beginning to end for a really long time. And I was like, what a fun rewatch. So that was my, I guess it would have been my number five. <laughs> I, I think that's an excellent choice. And that's an, that's one of those, like, my I think my parents owned it for a while on VHS. Like, we were all big fans of that movie. And that, that it's Brian De Palma at his best. And it's Robert De Niro playing Al Capone and one of the most violent scenes. I always saw it in the movie theater, too. And people were screaming yeah. when Al takes out the bat mm-hmm. and hits the guy at the table. Uh, then there's that scene with the, the baby carriage going down the stairs. I... That just, 
so much anxiety. I, I love, love it. I love that sequence so much that I rewound it and watched it again <laughs> when I was watching the movie the other night because it's just so well done. The way it builds up all that anxiety and it's like watching a choreographed like dance number. It really is. It's so, so cool. And I There's know that... Podcast... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's a podcast called I Was There Too. And it's a it's Mac Borley, and he talks to people who had little parts in big movies, and <laughs> but he talked to the woman who was holding the baby carriage for that scene. And she was there for a week because you know these movies take forever to do, and she was so delightful. And she's like kind of a hippie, and she says, "I'm a floor sitter, so on the set, every time I would just sit down, I would just sit on the floor, and someone would yell." get her a chair and like <laughs> immediately a chair would show up she was so freaked out like this so yeah oh such a great choice you have the best recommendations i love that <laughs> i love that that podcast exists and i'm gonna listen to that this it's was also awesome. like peak kevin costner like i like kevin costner i like kevin costner too we had a whole Absolutely. discussion about this on twitter last week i think with adam risky from f this movie yes because somebody was making fun of me at work for liking kevin costner and he's like you need a new job and i was like maybe like kevin costner is awesome and he's so great in he, this movie he has he, he doesn't have a big amount of range but I feel like what he does, he does it probably better than most people. Right. You know, the everyman, the square. He's, you know, I yeah. think he's so square. I know my friend, actually, I knew someone, she was our, this sounds so snobby, but she, this woman who cleaned her house like once a week when I was a kid. And um, her husband was in a Civil War troop. And he was, his troop was in Dances with Wolves. Hmm. And he got to hang out with Kevin Costner, who, you know, was directing that film. And said that he was the nicest guy, like very down to earth, very normal. That and so I've always happy. liked Kevin Costner. That makes me yeah. happy. Yeah. Yay. I'm sorry. I name drop a lot. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, you I don't. I can't help it. <laughs> so what is, what's your okay. next pick? So I have my number four, it's The French Connection. Oh, and such a good it's one. 1971. William Friedkin. It's a, it's a Robin Moore book. It's based on a book. It's a real case that happened in the 60s in New York. Gene Hackman as Jimmy Popeye Doyle. Roy Scheider at his hottest. Uh, Aaron mm -hmm. and I both really love, you know, my co-host for Best Neighbors Podcast. We both have the hots for Roy Scheider. <laughs> Fernando Ray, Tony LaBianco. Uh, it got the Academy Award for Best Picture, Actor, Director, Writer, Editing. There is a car chase scene that is phenomenal yeah and it's, it's bananas it's legendary it's bananas and he and, and william freaking this is a year or two before he did the exercise he had no permits he basically <laughs> said just drive really fast and we'll catch everything we can and it's thrilling and it's just it's new york and i love new york stories i'm a new yorker and uh, margo and i are definitely going to cover this one day for book versus movie because it is based on a book but that's my number four the french connection it's whenever it's on i'm watching it yeah I rewatched that yeah. one, um, maybe last year I rewatched it and I hadn't watched it in a long time. And I forgot about like how it ends. Like it's a really yeah. messed up movie. It's, yeah. I think people the think, 70s. they think it's like, well, he's the cop. So he's like a good guy, but he's not a good guy. It's, no. 
a messed up movie, but it's a really good messed up movie. <laughs> I like the messed up movies of the yeah. 70s. They, seemed, they seem a little more yeah. real and realistic compared to what we get now. So, yeah. yep. And That's one my of, number four. The and first, one of the reasons I, I love Roy Schneider too, and I love um, Gene Hackman because they look like men. Mm-hmm. They don't look like little boys, I guess, or like they don't look like twenty. Like even, I mean, how old were they in that movie? They probably weren't even that old, but they still seem so old. Didn't people look older back then? <laughs> right. I would say women like they were like when you see. They were probably they in their like 30s, people... right? But they look like yeah. they're in their 40s or 50s. <laughs> oh, well, it also depends on how you live. Like Jaws, Margaret and I covered Jaws, and Quint, Robert Shaw, that old man, yeah. was 47 years old what? when he made that movie. Yes. <laughs> True story. That's weird. Bananas. <laughs> yeah. So but people used to look older. Yeah, that's it. They did. Before we had like really nice face cream, is that why? Yep. That must I be. totally think that. <laughs> I totally think that. And I know I know friends that were I worked in magazines for a while, and beauty editors, and they were like, "You don't have to spend a ton of money." Like L'Oreal and all those big companies have all of these scientists that work for them, and they make good stuff. Right. And our grandmothers would have loved the moisturizers that we have now. Well, that's the key, everybody. Moisturize. Yep. Wear sunblock. Yep. And on that note, <laughs> have you <laughs> seen, this is uh, another one on my list. Have you seen Heavenly Creatures? Oh, of course. Oh my God, the movie's messed up. So this one's 1994 and it's directed by Peter Jackson and it stars Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky. I hope I pronounced that right. As two teenage girls who uh, murder one of their mothers in like 1950s New Zealand uh, this movie was like a punch in the gut when I saw it back in 94. And then... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm looking at it now, like as someone who like has a kid of their own, the idea that your child that you love so much that she's trying to like do the right thing, even if it's not coming across that way, uh, would kill you is needless to say, (laughs) very upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. And it's based on a true story. This like this really happened. And then one of them, they they were forced to separate. Like that was part of their punishment for killing you, now yeah. you can't be friends anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's your, well. They go to they sentence them to jail. They go to jail, but then upon their release, they're not allowed to see each other again. Right, and then one of them became a very famous 
a crime author. Yes. I have not and read her books. Have you read any of her books? I don't read a lot of fiction crime, like very, very little. I like the nonfiction myself. This movie is, it's just a trip, like the way it's shot, because the whole thing is that these two teenage girls form this like very intense friendship and they're like writing a novel together and they build like a fictional world in their book and the movie also tries to show that fictional world so mm -hmm. it goes between reality and this weird like surreal area like where people i think they're kind of made out of clay if i'm remembering that correctly yes. and it's just a trip it's such it's such a weird movie it's got these really great performances i mean i think this was kate winslet's first movie and then it's got these really cool so. style choices by peter jackson it's just a really cool movie. It's I don't even think I could I couldn't even find it for streaming, so I didn't get to rewatch it before this, but it's one that I've thought about a lot and like I said, it it's like a punch in the gut. <laughs> it's such a weird little film because there are these two women, the girls, and they bond of is it over Mario Lanza? Is that who they like? They're just completely in love with this opera singer. Yeah. And they have this like weird, passionate affection for him. And then they like they're gonna be separated, so they kill the mother. And then at the very end, like there's all the lesbianism is sort of like hinted at, but then at the very end there's like a clay orgy. It's yeah. like bizarre. It yeah, it's a very, very weird messed yeah. up movie, but really well done. And it's so funny that you know, this is the guy who goes on to make Lord of the Rings like they they don't mm -hmm. seem terribly related other than New Zealand but I it goes to show you that I think Peter Jackson could make could tell really great stories that aren't related to the Hobbit and he should try doing that again mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah totally well did you see what, what was his latest one he won the Oscar of uh, the something oh tell me Peter Peter Jackson won an Oscar did he? No, no, that was Guillermo del Toro. Sorry, yeah. I get them mixed up. Oh, no worries. Sorry, guys. Had a brain fart. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. What else is on your list? Okay, so my number three, you probably already mentioned it. You did already mention it. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, I love Bonnie and Clyde. I rewatched that for this, too. But I didn't put it on I... the list. I'm glad it's on your list. Yeah, I watched it. I rewatched it last year because of the Oscars, because... Warren Beatty and <laughs> Faye Dunaway. And I was like, these were really gorgeous young people at one time and were so hot. Yeah. And their chemistry in this movie, it's 1967. Arthur Penn directed it. Their chemistry is incredible. It's off the charts. And we also, once again, we have Gene Hackman. Mm -hmm. We have Estelle Parsons, who I think she played Roseanne's mother in the old days of the Roseanne show, but she won an Oscar yes. for her, for Blanche. I mean, you have Michael J. Pollard, and it's it's this movie. By the way, like it took a long time to take off. Like the critics were super divided about it at the time, and I think it was Pauline Kael who wrote something for the New Yorker, like, "Oh, this is this is magic. This is brilliant." And then all of a sudden, it was just nominated for everything. It was like her fashions. Faye Faye anyway was like a fashion icon. She for a looks long time. so beautiful in this movie. Oh. Like. I, I was coveting, like, her makeup, her hair, the clothes, all of it. Everything. She said she starved herself, basically. Yeah, of to course. To be small. 
because both well, also because Bonnie and Clyde, and then you know, if you learn their true story, they were actually were a couple of losers. I mean, they were not very smart people. Right. They were not very charismatic. I mean, she did write poetry and they did love each other, but they both were really whack. She was like only five feet tall. Too. Oh, she was very petite. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. She's just super, super tiny. I love the, when they're taking the photos and she gets in front of the car yeah. and she's holding the machine gun and she puts the cigar in her mouth. And I was like, what a badass bitch. She is, she, she is foxy. <laughs> She is foxy as shit. She really, really is. And yeah, I, I just love that movie. There's another one, like when it comes on, I just start watching it. And I yeah. can't help it. And by the way, Warren Beatty, he made a deal. He got 40% of the gross profits. So, he's, he is so, so smart. Yeah. That dude is, he is he wicked is smart. It, yep. It's such a, it's such a good movie. Like it's such a cool story. The leads are so cool. Like it's like the Pulp Fiction of its time actually yes, now that absolutely. i think about like the way it's edited and the violence and all was a big deal in 67 so if you look at movies that came out in 1967 it was usually like musicals like right. hello dolly yeah and then something like this comes along that's dark and weird and and sexy and i could just totally i would love to see this in the movie theater actually i would love to see On a it big in screen a too yeah yeah. I had I I really enjoyed rewatching this one and it it almost made mm. the list, but I decided to cut it for oh. my for Ooh. my next pick. Uh, have you ever seen Star Eighty? Of course. <laughs> it's nineteen eighty three, <laughs> directed by Bob Fosse and starring Eric Roberts and Mariel Hemingway, and it's about the murder of Playboy uh, Dorothy Stratton by her estranged yeah. husband. And I saw this movie when I was too young to see it. Like, so it came out in 83. I probably rented it on video. So I was probably 13 when I saw it. Oof. And the movie really stuck in my brain. And so it kind of popped into my head as something that I should revisit. And rewatching it now with like kind of with the Me Too movement and our awful mm -hmm. like sexual predator president uh this movie seems even more timely to me it like yeah. every every man in this movie is trying to control and possess dorothy stratton and i mean one of the weaker things in the movie actually is i don't think dorothy stratton is a really fully fleshed out character in this movie but no but it makes it really scary the idea like all these men trying to control her and then it ends with her estranged husband Eric Roberts is the biggest fucking creep in this movie. He's so oh. oh, he's horrifying. He's so gross. Like he's with his gross like porn star mustache and like he's just sweaty mm -hmm. the whole time. Ugh, ugh. He's so gross. You know, but he feels like she owes him and he owns her and it's just, you know, he think he wants to possess her and thinks that you know, she's like having an affair with and our director and she was and the director is uh peter it's peter bogdanovich in real life but they don't call him that mm -hmm. in the movie and then i read that after the murder he like paid for dorothy stratton's little sister to go to modeling school and things like that and then eventually he married dorothy stratton's little sister isn't that it's gross so, it seems so kind of gross 
it's really bizarre. You know, she was like, Dorothy was, I mean, if you look at the documentaries about Dorothy, she's a very beautiful, sexy woman. Yeah. And she was super innocent. She was like this kid from Vancouver. She was like 20 like years, years old or old. something. Yeah. Yeah. When she yeah. died, when he was super like, young. When, her husband, when she died very young, yeah, she was like 20 or 21. Her husband met her when she was only like 17. And I think he had to get permission from her parents, like to date her or something. Yeah. But he took naked pictures of her. Send them to Playboy. And then we have the amazing feminist Hugh Hefner uh, <laughs> controlling her. Right. And, and then she becomes under his control. And then he's trying to take her away from the ex-husband. And then Dorothy wants to be an actress. And she's in. She's actually pretty good in the movie. Um, they All Laughed, I think, is the one that, is that yeah. what it's called. But, yeah. And she's actually pretty good in it. And, you know, she had potential. She was super pretty and very, um, you know, she had potential. But the way she got, dies is just horrible to, to think about. And it's horrible to see it on screen. And uh, uh, that's a really good choice. But, yeah, it, it makes you feel kind of icky. Yeah, <laughs> the movie definitely makes you feel icky. And I just, I feel like it's not a movie that people talk about very much, which is why mm -hmm. I booted it off the list or added it to the list because I felt like it was maybe a little underappreciated and with everything that's going on right now, it seemed very yeah. appropriate, but it is hard to watch for sure. And he's, he, he's just so, he's, he's really, really good in the movie. I don't want to make it sound like Eric Roberts isn't good. Like I think people forget that Eric Roberts was a really good actor. I think now he's yeah. kind of a joke, but he was a really good actor. He's very good in the movie, but he is such a creep. Like, the total creepy guy that would, you know, in his 20s, that goes to a high school prom, you know, mm -hmm. so that he can, like, feel like a big man or whatever. It's just gross. But it's good performance, yeah. and it's a good movie. That's a good choice. I think sometimes if you put the year into a movie title, that can turn people off. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 80 might seem like really old to people. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're old. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next on your list? So my number two, and it's something we covered in Book Versus Movie, it's Goodfellas. Oh, and yes. And Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's based on a Nicholas Pileggi book, Wise Guy. And, you know, 1990s, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco, Paul Sorvino, Frank Vincent. Um, this, this, it, uh, Joe Pesci won the Academy Award. For some reason, uh, Martin Scorsese says he was nominated, but he didn't win the Academy Award this, this year. And it was one of those, I can't remember the movie. Dances that did with one. Wolves won. Ah, that's going back to Dances <laughs> with Wolves. You know what? That's not a bad movie. People make fun no. of it. They don't. I don't like I, it. You yeah. know what it is? It's another example of what, like when Forrest Gump beat Pulp Fiction. Like, yes. Every, uh, one movie is clearly like cooler and is going to be the one that kind of stands the test of time. And then the other movie is more old school Hollywood, like more of a, yeah. you know, to go back to using the term, a total square movie. And Dances with Wolves is kind of like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually it's, gutsy, though. It was like three and a half hours. Yeah. Well, it's funny because at the time, like, Dances with Wolves was, like, different. It's mm -hmm. a Western told from the point of view of the Native Americans, which we didn't have. It's three and a half hours long. It played mm -hmm. in my movie theater. I saw it a gazillion times. It, that's a big – it was a kind of a big deal. And But, you know, I it doesn't – maybe it doesn't stand the test of time like Goodfellas because Goodfellas is awesome. 
Good, Goodfellas was actually freaked me out the first time I saw it because it was so violent yeah. and intense. So it took me time. Like I had to go back to it. But it's one of the ones, like I said, we covered on book versus movie. It's one of the ones, it shows up on TV. I start watching it. Mm -hmm. I get totally absorbed in it. I think the performances are amazing. Uh, the, the music is great. It's, it's just, I think it's just one of the best true crime movies. And it's, it's a great book, by the way, Wise Guy, if you're ever looking for a good true crime book. It was really well written. So that's my number two, Goodfellas. I think people forget that that's a true crime story. Mm -hmm. I think that they just think of, you know, what am I, some sort of clown to you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, they just think of all that stuff and they don't think about that it's actually a true story. It's based on all real people. Yeah. And they were monsters, by the way. Right. <laughs> they were really terrible people. Yeah. No, that's an awesome oh. pick. And I was pretty sure that was going to be on your list, which is why I didn't put it on my list. Oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> that's a good one. So... Up next for me is the only true crime story on my list that gives me hope, and that is All the President's Men. Oh, good choice. <laughs> I love that movie. I love this movie. I watch it like two or three times a year. Uh, Turner Classic Movie loves to play it, usually around mm -hmm. uh, 4th of July, which I love that they consider it a patriotic movie. I've talked about it before on the podcast as... Uh, I think we talked about patriotic movies, and I put it on there. Uh, it's directed by Alan J. Uh, Pakula. Ooh, I don't know if I pronounced that. Yeah. Uh, with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman as the Washington Post reporters Woodward and Bernstein, who, of course, uh, investigated the Watergate break-in and got Richard Nixon to resign. And I could, I just want to imagine that that's going to happen again. <laughs> The history repeats there, there's, itself. Um, I hope so. Because it seems like it is. Like he's yeah. using Nixon's playbook to do stuff. I know. So, it's so, so sad and And he hates the Post. And yes. he hates the Washington Post. I mean, all of that's there. And it, it feels like a thriller, even though you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, 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 every time I watch it, you get excited. You get excited for them. The performances are so good i i love that movie that's such a great choice well i that's love such a good choice i love journalism movies i love movies mm -hmm. about newspapers i used to work at a newspaper so there's something about it that just it you know scratches an itch i have but i when you say like it builds tension it really does like and that's the mark of a really good movie like how do you build tension for a movie where you already know how it ends and this movie makes it happen and it's just such a good one. Like that's, oh, that's a, a yeah. Every time choice. I see it's on, I'm like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, our, our president was a crook. Turns out our president was a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, that's, yeah. And yep. also Robert Redford is really, really attractive in this movie. I I don't understand people who think Dustin Hoffman is good looking, but Robert Redford is definitely good looking. He's definitely foxy. He's very foxy. And I uh, I should mention Jason Robards as well as mm -hmm. Brent Badley, which is uh, who Tom Hanks is playing in The Post. And uh, uh, Jason Robards is the shit. I think so, too. I, I, and I, I agree with your assessment of The Post, by the way. Like, I, I thought it was totally fine. Yeah. But for me, that movie... That could have been an HBO movie. It like would have been... or something. It would have been the best HBO movie but it yes. just wasn't very cinematic for me. Yeah. And 
too many guests, too many famous people yeah. in small parts. Yeah, that was very distracting. Because I think everyone wants to work with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. I mentioned it on the podcast. It had what I was calling the Rogue One ending, where it, like, brings you all the way up to the Watergate break-in. Yes! Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> to tie it to all the president's it. men. Uh, the, I laughed at that scene. There's a... Um, a theater here in San Francisco, the Castro Theater, actually did a double feature of um, The Post and All the President's Men. Oh, wow. Did you go? No, I didn't. I really wanted to, but I couldn't make it happen. But I thought mm. it's an obvious, amazing double feature. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. So what's next on your list? So I think you and I both pick this movie so we're just going to talk about it at the same time we'll we'll mishmash together yes. but my number one is zodiac and uh directed by david fincher and it's also based on a book robert Graysmith. uh he was a former cartoonist and reporter for the san francisco chronicle and uh i've tried reading that book many times over the years i can't it's just <laughs> indecipherable to me but this movie i've watched many times over the years and this is one of the ones i saw in the movie theater and I had to put my jacket over my eyes several times. Yes. Because it scared me so much. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this one in the theater, too. And I, I've seen it. One, so one of the reasons I super love this movie is because it's local to me. Yep. I, grew up, I grew up in the Bay Area. I live in San Francisco. So I know a lot of the areas and the neighborhoods they're talking about. And to see the movie here in San Francisco with an audience filled with people who probably lived through this was a real trip and the movie the movie scares the shit out of me oh like every time i watch it same here that like first I, time he stabs the couple at the lake Berryessa. Yeah. oh yeah. my god is it's like horrifying and it's just filmed like it's such a nightmare you know it's like one minute everything's fine and the next minute there's a dude here and now this is happening it's yeah. really really scary and it's just such an eerie movie it's got this overwhelming sense of dread just hanging over it everyone's so great in it it's got jake gyllenhaal and robert downey jr and mark ruffalo it's such an awesome movie and i used to say like oh this is underappreciated but i feel like now everybody's coming around on this one yeah and no list about true crime would be complete without a Something about the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> well, you know what's really interesting is because they solved the Golden State Killer using DNA evidence and doing, doing one of those open source DNA sites. And so people are like, well, let's try to get the, the Zodiac Killer this way. And yeah. so this could very well be solved, you know, within a year or two. I mean, for all we know. So I think it's, it's always, but it's like one of the great murder mysteries because he changed his MO a bit. Yes. And it's, and he also was a, a brilliant guy, like a, he wrote these letters that had to decode and that's how Robert Graysmith got interested in it. He tried to decode it and he became obsessed with it and he became obsessed with the case and it remains unsolved. And I lived in the Bay area when I went to college, I went to San Jose state. So I know a lot, the Bay area pretty damn well. Yeah. And yeah, it, and I, it, it captures like seventies San Francisco so well. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's one of the other reasons I love watching it so much is I just love seeing old San Francisco yeah. And, and I think as someone who likes to read about or watch things about true crime, we can all relate to the character Jake Gyllenhaal's playing because he's not really an investigative reporter. He's not a police officer. He's right. just, you know, he's kind of on the outside looking in 
and kind of gets sucked into it. And it's really, at some point, like the scene where he goes into the house and he feels like I'm in over my head. Charles Fleischer? Yeah. He's in the, uh, Charles Fleischer, who, by the way, was the voice of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so scary. And that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Because I thought, oh my god, he's gonna attack him. It's so like scary. You talking to Zodiac right now? Yeah. That's a great. Uh, I, I picked it too. We both yeah. picked a great one. Yeah. Good pick on our part. Go team. Yay! Pat on the back <laughs> to both of us. So let's go. Let's go through our our second list, and we'll go through it a little bit faster this time. Okay. So I picked TV movies, and you picked documentaries. Yes. Should we just still okay. go back and forth? Yeah, let's just okay, do that. Cool. All right. So my number five TV movie is Texas Justice, Ooh. and it stars Heather Locklear, Peter Strauss, Dennis Franz, and it's a true crime that happened in Fort Worth, Texas. A woman named Priscilla Barnes, her she was shot. Her six foot ten inch boyfriend was shot. Her daughter was shot and killed. There was all the, there was a shooting at her house, and she was divorcing a guy named Colin uh, Davis. Colin Davis. And Colin Davis was tried several times and was always let off, even though it was jury tampering. It is the most batshit crazy case ever. Heather Locklear is at her Heather Locklearist. Oh, nice. Um, and she's <laughs> she's hot. She wears this, this diamond necklace that says rich bitch. Like the whole thing is that she's the second wife. Of, and, and Peter Strauss is great as Colin Davis. And Colin Davis, by the way, his lawyer was a guy named Racehorse Haynes. And Racehorse Haynes is very famous in Texas. He's a Houston guy. If you got him as, as your attorney, you were definitely guilty and you were not going to serve a day in jail. Like oh. you were going to get off. And so it's got all of that for me. So that is my number five, Texas Justice. Awesome. Is that is it streaming somewhere? Because I want to watch I, this. I, if it's not, I bet it's on YouTube, if nothing yeah. else. Okay. Everything's on YouTube. Okay. Putting that on the list. Yeah. So my documentary pick, some of these are probably totally obvious picks, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, my number one is The Thin Blue Line, sure. which is the documentary by Errol Morris, uh, who always makes documentaries I want to see. Um, this one is like the one that lays the it's the template for like every true crime documentary we see now it's about randall dale adams who was wrongly convicted of murdering a police officer in dallas in 1976 and of course what's so great about the documentary is they made it while adams was in prison and eventually this documentary proved that he was innocent and eventually mm -hmm. he was released uh but it is like the template like everything you see now like the the uh the interviews the face to face interviews the recreations like all of that stuff is in this movie that actually played in a theater now this is just something that would go straight to netflix but this actually mm -hmm. played in a theater and errol morse used to work as a private detective so he's you know really great at like asking the right questions and digging up facts and uh i'm just a big fan and i i don't know how you make a true crime documentary list and you don't put thin blue line on it <laughs> it, it changed somebody's life yeah i mean it, it really did set out it set out to do what it was intended to do which is incredible and at the time there was a lot of controversy because of the reenactments yeah like people were really like oh that's not what a documentary is that's not and now they do it all the freaking time yeah like I, I i if i don't get a reenactment i get annoyed you know <laughs> <laughs> 
What's next on your list? So at number four, we're going back and forth here. This is one of my mother's favorites, too. It's Small Sacrifices. Um, It's Diane Downs. Yes. It's an Anne Rule book, which I was obsessed with. It came out in, like, 88 or something. I gave it to all my friends. This woman, by by the way, Diane Downs, she basically was driving along the road, and she said a bushy-haired stranger. Uh, she pulled her, like she pulled over, and a bushy-haired stranger jumped out, to, like in the middle of the woods, and he just shot at her and her kids. And she would, she drove the car to the hospital and said, "Some guy just shot my kids." Turns out she's the one who shot her kids. She was going through. A, she got divorced. <laughs> she, she had a new boyfriend, and it's it's crazy. Farrah Fawcett. It's got Ryan O'Neill. It's got John Shea or Shea. He he's always really good. It's it's a great. I think it was like a two part ABC thing. They played it all the time on Lifetime. It's like one of those perennials. Diane Downs is crazy, and she's still nuts, and she's still in jail. And the best thing is that two of her kids, one of her kids, unfortunately didn't make it, and two of them did. And the prosecutor, played by John Shea, Shea. He adopted those kids, I, and they turned out great. I read that, and I, it made me want to cry just reading oh, that. Yeah. I, I, I thought about rewatching because Farrah Fawcett was like the true crime TV movie queen oh, back in the eighties. Like she was, like, I'm like, who would that be now? I don't. Who's the equivalent to Farrah Fawcett? like Marky Post or whatever. Like they made a ton of TV movies like this with Farrah Fawcett and I wanted to revisit one and I was entertaining the idea and then I read the subject and I was like, no, I can't watch that one again. It'll just make me cry too hard. It's it's really, I mean, it's, she's crazy. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's you, you can't, and then she, the craziest thing, okay, I'm name dropping in a weird way, but in jail, she basically had a romance with another guy who's called the I-5 killer. <laughs> And they had like they exchanged love letters. He killed a friend of mine's mother and sister. She oh, and I Jesus. were in a couple of classes together in college, and she told me about this one day because I, I, I. So it's just, it's so weird. It's it's such yeah. a small world, but uh, it's it's really fantastic. It's a great performance by Farah, and the woman, you know, not quite as beautiful in real life as Farah Foss, but pretty close. Yeah. And Ryan O'Neill is actually really good in it. And oh. I, they were dating at the, they were a couple at the time. Yeah. So that's my small sacrifice. I watched the living shit out of it. I recorded it. I recorded her interview on Oprah. I had them all on one VHS tape, and I watched it Dang. all the time. <laughs> you are hardcore. I am. You I know, am a little, a little hardcore. Margo, who hasn't tried to change for a man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bushy-haired stranger, sure. <laughs> that's not a weird, weird description. Not at all. Not at all. So I'm going to go with Capturing the Freedmans. Oh, good job. Good job. This this one is super creepy. I actually was sent this DVD when I worked at the newspaper as like, hey, like maybe you'd like to review this or something. And I brought it home and I watched it and I was like, what a creepy, creepy documentary. And then the DVD sat on my shelf forever. And I was like, when am I ever going to rewatch this? <laughs> right. Like, it's not rewatchable. It's not something where you're like, oh, I've totally put on Capturing the Freedmans. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I'll have some wine, paint my nails, watch Capturing the Freedmans. Uh, it's directed by Andrew uh, Jar- Jareski. Oh, I suck mm-hmm. at names. Uh, who would later go on to make The <laughs> Jinx, which 
is oh that's such a good one it's such a good one and i didn't put it on the list because i was like i'm gonna put capturing the freedmans on here everybody knows about the jinx uh so he was working on a documentary about a children's party clown named david friedman and then as he's working on it he finds out that david's father and brother were convicted of sexual abuse in the 80s and he uses narration and interviews with the victims and these like tons of old home movies to kind of put this documentary together and tell the story of of this father and brother that uh sexually abused all these kids it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) it's on long island that's where i'm originally from it's so I get the I get the feeling and the attitude there, and yeah, it's like what like Margot would say. It's not the feel good hit of the summer. It really is not. It is really a super bummer, but it is really well done and really interesting, and I think worth checking out if you haven't seen. Absolutely. It. Okay, what's next? So my next one, and I didn't realize I was doing this until I looked right now, but it's called Murder in Texas. Like I said, Texas has a lot of crime. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy they shit happening in Texas. They have the biggest and the best crime in Texas. They do. They're the hugest. So, <laughs> this is a movie. It came out in 1981, and it was one of those like it was always on Lifetime for a while. And it's Farrah Fawcett, Sam Elliott, Catherine Of course, Ross. it's Farrah Fawcett. I know. I know. I did it again. Uh, Andy Griffith is in this movie. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, and it's about this woman, Joan Robinson Hill, that they think her husband, played by Sam Elliott killed her with a paste he was a doctor and that he gave her a pastry that he put uh, poison in it or um, something in it that made her die and then they tried to convict him and they couldn't convict him and her and it was crazy and then like her father got involved and then john was killed john hill was killed in an, a burglary, a home burglary thing but it was always suspicious it was always kind of like did he really get killed or did he sneak off to Mexico. And I'm not selling it very well. This is like a two-part movie. <laughs> I'm it like, is, you you sold me on it. It's yeah. on the list. Yeah. Farrah Fawcett is so... It's at, she's at her Farrah Fawcett. She is like 1981 <laughs> Farrah. Beautiful. And they're, they just like... They live in this creepy house and in a, in a, he's a creepy guy. And it's just... It's, it's fantastic. I love this movie. I bought it from the library when it was on VHS. And then I converted it to DVD so I can always have it. But I'm sure it's on YouTube. Now that I think about it, everything's oh, on YouTube. I love so how I love how hardcore you are. I'm so hardcore. I know. I can't make fun of nerds because I'm as nerdy as anybody. I'm the nerdiest. So yeah, that's murder in Texas. All right, that's going on the list. So, I think my next one I'll talk about here is the staircase. Yes, which is uh, directed by. Um, here's another name I'm going to ruin. Jean-Xavier de Lestrade. I think that's right. Uh, And it's documenting the trial of Michael Peterson for the murder of his wife, who he claims fell down some stairs. Right. Uh, And the director has full access to, like, to Peterson and his defense attorneys. So it's really about true crime, but it's also, like, a really interesting behind-the-scenes of a murder trial. Um. There's two sequels to it that I actually haven't seen yet because I haven't been able to find them for streaming, uh, but I will watch them as soon as they're available because I'm into it. Um, the same director did one called Murder on a Sunday Morning, which oh, I, I haven't, which I haven't seen in a long time, but I thought was really great. 
But the staircase is, you know, so his wife falls down the stairs. He claims that she was probably drunk and she slipped. And the cops, the cops at first are like, yeah, that could have maybe happened. And then they find out that at one point he was living with a family, like a friend who also just fell down the stairs and died. And he adopted like that friend's children. It was all Mm -hmm. very sketchy and it's just fascinating. They had all this access to him at home. Yeah. Like, while he's going, you'd be in the trial and they'd come home and like the prosecutor, it was in North Carolina, right? Yeah. The, prose- the prosecutor was this woman who wore the heaviest, most awful makeup. So distracting. <laughs> and it was, and you know, she, but the, the whole thing was that he was secretly bisexual. Yes. And we're talking, this happened over 20 years ago. So it was like, Ooh, he's Ooh. bi. Yeah. Like, Oh, so he, of course he killed her because he's, you know, he's, he's got, sex with he's, men. he's got the gay. Yeah, he's got the gay on him. So that's, and he also is. Let's just be clear: a very peculiar man. For sure, like the way he, the way he behaves, and the way he talks, and stuff like that. My dad, when this was live, it was on Court TV, and this was live. My dad had just retired, and he didn't know what to do with himself. So every day he would watch this case, like yeah. gavel to gavel. On court, and my dad was convinced he was innocent. Interesting. Yep, and you can change his mind. I, I, I feel like this is one of those documentaries too that people watch and you don't have the same conclusion. Like yeah. I might watch it and say like, well, I think he's guilty, but like your dad could watch it and say, no, I think he's innocent. It, mm-hmm. I feel like it is one of the, it's a real conversation starter. This one. It's, it's one of the, the original, like it's one of the things that's really turned true crime on its head. Yes. The, the, the staircase and the people, they still play it on Sundance or something every once in a while. Yeah. And there's supposed to be a follow up because he went to jail and then he got out of jail. And then there was the theory of the owl. There's the owl yeah, the, theory. The, 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 the owl, owl in her head. The owl the house. Flew, flew into the house because sometimes that happens and scared her and made her fall down the stairs. And the That's, blood spatter evidence, which was really crazy. Yeah. I, I like to believe it's the owl. Yeah, I do too, actually. I'm kind of rooting for the owl. <laughs> for owl domination. It seems like something an owl would do. They're such assholes. <laughs> I don't like them either. <laughs> What's next on your list? So this is another Bay Area connection. Oh. Uh, 1989. You probably know this. It's called I Know My First Name is Steven. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. This is devastating. Yes. And devastating on several level, levels. Steven Stainer was kidnapped in the late 70s, I want to say. He was a young boy kidnapped by an older man and taken away. And then the older man molested him, you know, because that's what they yeah. do. Yep. And then the, uh, that man kind of gets tired of Steven. He's like turning into a teenager. He, he steals him when he's seven or eight. And then around when he's 15 or 16, the guy brings in another kid. And then he realizes like, oh man, he's probably going to do it to me. What he's going to do, he'll do this child, but it's been done to me. But he also thinks he might kill me now because he doesn't need me anymore because I'm older and I'm yeah. whatever. So Steven takes this kid and they walk miles to a police station and it's an incredible story and just says all i know is that my first name is steven he didn't know his address he didn't know his phone number like when when this man took him the kid i mean so after that people started saying with kids you got to know your address you got to know your phone number you have to have a safe word you have to have a blah 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 blah. this is one of the reasons why and then oh my god it's corin nemec who played parker lewis can't oh yeah he's so good and then 
Stephen, uh, he, 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 oh God, he only got $30,000 for the rights to his story. And in 1989, like soon after the, the, the movie came out, he died in like a motorcycle accident. And he was a young father with kids with like a pizza delivery guy. The crazy shit, are you ready for this? Yes. Is that his older brother, who always resented him for being kidnapped and for being the center of attention and stuff, turns out he's a serial killer. Yeah. And killed women in Yosemite. And is now I'm in so jail for that. I'm so jealous that you got kidnapped and raped. You're so <laughs> lucky. God. Oh, he's so insane. He is, I mean, it was crazy. And then just this being a small world, my friend Kristen was friendly with the daughter that was killed when they were kids because they're from like Pleasanton or Dublin or something like that. They're like from the East Bay originally. So, so it was so, so crazy and awful. And Stephen Stainer, like you can look him up, like the interviews with him. He was so haunted. He had to go to trial and basically say, this man molested me. Yes. And it made a stigma for him in high school because people didn't understand. It's so tragic. Yeah. It's so, so tragic. And he got, he was treated weird. And the man didn't get anything. I think he only got like 10 years or something. So ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. It was so bad. So yeah, that's, but I remember like that one just was a good gut punch. Yeah. You know, that story. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's my, I know my first name is Steven. I wrote that one down as like, oh, I hope she brings this one up because I oh, also good. remember that one. And I remember one called Adam. about the kidnapping of Adam Walsh. And both of these stories were like super big deals that every parent was aware of these stories. And it is like exactly what you said. That's when it started turning into like, you need to know your name and your phone number. And like the paranoia of like your children are going to be kidnapped, like went through the roof. Yeah. Stranger danger. Yeah. I remember Adam being particularly sad as well. Yeah. I'm like, listen to our podcast where you can listen to me use the word awful over and over and over again. <laughs> and making inappropriate jokes to like to let to, to relieve yes. the tension. So, hey, speaking of dead kids, uh, my next documentary <laughs> is Paradise Lost, the child murders <gasps> of Robin Hood Hills, which, of course, there were two sequels to that. Paradise Lost 2 Revelations and Paradise Lost 3 Purgatory. And, of course, I'm sure everyone knows these, but I have to put it on the list anyway. It's all about the West Memphis Three, and they were three teenagers who were accused of murdering, like, three younger boys as part of a satanic ritual. And apparently the main evidence was that, you know, they liked heavy metal music. And then they they kind of coerced a confession out of one of the teenage boys who, uh, you know, was kind of intellectually challenged i guess would mm-hmm. I, I i don't know if they ever say like what his issue is but you know it's not very hard apparently to coerce confessions from young people and that's what they were able to do um and this is another documentary that just has all kinds of access to police and attorneys and the accused and the victim's family and in particular that stepdad that mm-hmm. won't shut up that keeps t- coming and talking to the film crew and just oh he's crazy um, it's just one of those ones that it's really scary. The idea that that it doesn't take much to convict these kids and they're found guilty, and one of them mm-hmm. even gets the death penalty. It's some scary shit, and it's super sad. You know, you feel bad for these families. Their boys were murdered. Yeah, and they never got the real killer. Mm-mm. 
they've still been looking, but they haven't. I, yeah, that that one is also just a gut punch. And then you you get really into their case, and then like big celebrities like were behind uh, helping them get free. And by the way, they all got out. Yeah, but they had to plead guilty. Like right. sort of like a time served kind of thing, but when they got out, they had to learn things like how to use an iPhone and uh, yeah. internet and all that stuff. Like that's how long they were gone. Yeah, my, and it's it's oh that's such a good choice. My sister and I saw the first one, and we were just really into it and like reading about it all the time. And then we'd watch the next one, and you watch the next one. And my sister, you know, went as far as to like read all the books, and she's very into it. And it's just one that we like, we talked about a lot as it was going on. And Mm -hmm. it's just, oh, it's just such a good one. And how crazy to be able to document it all from like beginning to end. Yeah. Like, I I think there's another one to make now with like these guys being out and what their lives are like now. This really could be like a new like seven up series. (laughs) They could just, just thinking. they oh, could God. revisit like these guys like every seven years, and I would totally watch it. I I would too though. After yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a good choice. So what's next? All right, so my last one, yep. and it's one of the most famous true crime television series miniseries ever. It's called Fatal Vision. Oh yeah, and it's a Joe McGinn based on a Joe McGinnis book, and it's very controversial. Uh, because, well, Jeffrey McDonald is our lead, Gary Cole plays him, and it's one of those things, like, the movie is so convincing that this man is guilty of killing his wife and his two daughters and making it look like hippies came into their home and <laughs> did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, acid is groovy or something like that. He he was, so his family is killed. He's a doctor on a, on a base, on a medical, like an army base, and then the, uh, the case kind of goes cold, he moves to California and then becomes like a swinging bachelor and calls his father-in-law all the time saying, oh, yeah, I'm looking for the killers. I'm, I'm totally looking for the killers. And he just completely forgets about this family. And Joe McGinnis is there. He hires Joe McGinnis to be – he's going to trial. And he hires Joe McGinnis, the writer, to, like, tell his story. And it turns out Joe McGinnis, in the middle of it, realizes, like, I think this guy is guilty as shit. Yeah. And this is my new bestseller. And so they stayed friendly. He had to pay back, but the Joe McGinnis had to pay. He was sued for fraud, and it was settled out of court. And Jeffrey McDonald, to this day, will talk your ear off about, I am innocent, I was framed, this is a miscarriage of justice. And he says, every time that damn movie is on TV, people are glad that I'm in jail. And I think it's just the power. It's great performances. Andy Griffith, once again, is in this thing. (laughs) Even Marie Saint's in here. Uh, Carl Malden is in this thing. It's just, it was, and I watched the crap out of it, like every time it was on. And I'm sorry, the Thin Blue Line, who's the director? Errol Morris. Errol Morris thinks he's innocent. And Errol Morris has either created a documentary about it or is trying to create one, Hmm. proving that Jeffrey McDonald is actually innocent. He thinks it's a huge miscarriage of justice. But And there's weirdness on both sides. He was tried years and years after it actually yeah. happened. And, the, and the, the, the crime scene was totally contaminated. And it's, But I think he's guilty of shit. Yeah, I Fatal was Vision was a big fucking deal when it was on yep. TV. Everybody watched Fatal Vision. Everybody was talking about it. Like, it was a big deal. Like, I'm glad that that was on your list. Uh, I think the guy from Fatal Vision could go out with the woman from Small Sacrifices. 
Jeffrey McDonald I think and Diane Downs. That's a love connection. They have Ooh. so much in common. Yeah, they don't think they're guilty. Yeah. They killed their they killed their families and they don't think they're guilty. Yeah. There must be some sort of dating app for <laughs> for, for criminals. For criminals. I don't know what it would be called. I'll have to I don't I wish I had something clever. <laughs> I know. My my brain is escaping me right now. It's like M date, murderer date <laughs> or something. So my last one, I wondered if this actually fell under true crime, but I decided to put it here anyway because I think it's amazing. And it's O.J. Simpson Made in America. Oh, my God. What a good choice. Five, it's a five-part miniseries uh, directed by Ezra Elderman. It came out in 2016, and it's the fucking bomb. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. Episode four is one of the most chilling things I've ever seen in a documentary where – one of the police officers details how he thinks OJ killed Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. And this voiceover plays like over photos from the crime scene. It's ugh. absolutely chilling and nauseating. It was, ugh. Um, but I decided to put it on the list because it's not, I mean, maybe it's not technically a true crime documentary. It, oh, does, it, it does detail a murder case, but it also talks about like the Rodney King case and the ensuing LA riots and police brutality mm -hmm. and kind of how it all ties together and how we got the outcome we got with this case. I just, I think it's one of the best documentaries of all time. And it really gives context yeah. to OJ. Like if you didn't know who he was and like young people don't know anything about no. this stuff. No, they you don't. Know, they and don't I know. didn't know to, I mean, when, OJ was accused of killing his wife. I was like, the dude from the naked gun? That's what I thought, too. I thought, like, why do they have handcuffs on him? His poor wife died. I, this is I, this is how little I knew about him. It also talks about, like, the Me Too movement. Like, yeah. Nicole, the most chilling thing you'll ever listen is Nicole Brown Simpson calling 911 because her husband is breaking into her house, threatening to kill her, and the, and the 911 operator just could not care less. Yeah, so it's, it's like, ma'am... Is he threatening you physically or verbally? Is he just yelling at you? What is he doing? It's awful. And 911 training completely changed after that because people listened. It was like, wait a minute, this monster was just let go? Yeah. Like they, they didn't press charges. And a lot, and we also, you just realize like just how famous and popular he was in the 70s and loved. That's what like, I didn't know. You know, I knew I that either. I knew he was a former football player. I knew that. But to me, I was like, oh, he's, he's, the dude from Naked Gun, like whatever. Yeah. He's from the Hertz ads for the rent yeah, a car yeah. ad. You know, I didn't know. And something like this really puts it, just ties it all together and puts it all in perspective. It's really, really good. And now I just want to watch it again right now. I know. You make me want to watch it again right now. <laughs> oh, but your list is awesome. I wrote all of those down. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me if you, tell me if you watch them. Yeah. Have I you? Have to save did oh, you? Ahead. I was gonna say, did you watch the Deliberate Stranger? Of course, because Anne I Wolf. actually wanted to stream that one, and it wasn't available for streaming. Uh, but I remember thinking it was super good. It's good, but uh, it for me, I didn't pick it because I feel like it glamorizes Ted Bundy. Okay, good call. And he's and he's such a creep. And I think like everybody always goes on and on about how handsome he was. Like, he's okay looking, right? You know, he's not Manson crazy looking. I mean, he looks normal, but that doesn't make him like hmm. a GQ model. And I feel like it. it and, and Mark Harmon has said he he kind of regrets that part because he feels like 
Mark Harmon is our Ted Bundy. He he feels like he glamorized him a bit much. Oh, and interesting. Yeah. So that's why I didn't. Pay. But I was going to say to you, I came by. My mother and I were talking about both into documentaries. There's a, there's one called The Witness, and it's about oh, yeah. Kitty Genovese. Mom and I actually the last time she came to New York, we took the F train all the way out to Queens <laughs> to, to where that happened, and we had like lunch at the place where that happened. <laughs> so I come by this obsession honestly. <laughs> that. That is amazing. <laughs> True story. True story. Oh, mom, I think she was stabbed here. She goes, yeah, and then she ran over there. I'm like, yeah, that's how it happened. That's that's awesome. <laughs> but that's also a really good one if you haven't seen it. The Witness. It's really it, good. It is on my list. I had a couple of other random ones that were on my list that I just didn't make the cut, like Reversal of Fortune. and Sure. That's a, you know, a good one or Spotlight or Dog mm-hmm. Day Afternoon, things like that. Really, I, I could dog day afternoon. I could go on. I could just go on and on all day. Yeah, no, this is like what I love to talk about too. <laughs> Obviously, you could tell. <laughs> this so, is fun for me. Margo, where can people find you on the internet? So on the internet, um, you follow me at Brooklyn Chick on all the social media, and for Twitter, actually, it's a little strange. I spell Chick C H I K because you have to have a certain number of letters. But my main blog is brooklynfitchick.com, and I post all the stuff that I'm working on there. And my shows are Book Versus Movie, Not Fade Away podcast, Best Neighbors podcast, and the Fit Bob and Girls podcast. And none of those are about true crime, except sometimes on Book Versus Movie. <laughs> and sometimes on Best Neighbors podcast. And sometimes on Best Neighbors, because my co-host Aaron is also a big geek for this stuff. Yeah. Well, I love all of your shows, and you know I do, because I listen oh. all the time. Well, I love, I love your, I love being on the Dorking Out show. Anytime Aww. you want me on, you tell me. I'm here. I am going to want you come back and we'll talk about some 80s horror. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We were talking about that. Yes, we were. T- I'm we, in. We started talking about Poltergeist and then we were like, we need to talk about 80s horror. Maybe yes. we should bring on Patrick Bromley and all three of us could talk about 80s I, horror. I think we can coax him. I think we could, too. <laughs> Let him talk about Toby Hooper. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, now I'm going to let Margo go. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us at dorkingoutshow.com, and you can find me on Twitter at The Sonia Show, or you can find me at thesoniashow.com. And Chris will be back in the fall. (laughs) Bye.